0: This is a countdown, this is a podcast countdown, a podcast countdown of the top 35 prospects in the cardinal system. We call it the Dirty 35, it's brought to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. This is a song about prospects and counting down and... Bad writing, and wow are you in for a treat other than just this song. Countdown! Hello everyone, and welcome to the first round of our re-ranking of the Dirty 35, Top 35 Prospects in the Cardinals organization here at the mid-season point of the 2019 season. For those of you who don't know me, I am your host, I am Kyle Reese here for Birds on the Black and uh, Prospects After Dark. So what we decided to do is usually the Dirty 35 is, in the preseason form, one write-up for each prospect, 35 different write-ups, and then what we've done in the past is we've done seven tiers of five players, uh, whether that be for position rankings, uh, power rankings if you will, or for the mid-season report. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to dedicate, as crazy as it sounds, to seven articles Uh, Actually, what will eventually be nine articles. Uh, So what we decided to do is instead of doing seven tiers of five, we are doing five tiers of seven prospects. You will get a podcast for each and every one of them, and uh, hopefully we can continue to enlighten you further than just the write-ups of the players through the podcast. Usually uh, because I'm chatty. I can give you a little bit more information in the podcast or at least a little additional information uh, through the podcast because I I can be a little bit more stream of conscious. Uh, I can be a little less, I guess, calculating in what I'm saying. Believe it or not, I try to be as calculating in those write-ups as possible. Uh, (laughs) Pardon me. You'll get a lot of that. There's not going to be anything in the way of editing here. I am again i 'm just a raw natural human being. I kind of set the mood about what 's going on in my apartment as i as I read these aloud uh, as I talk about these prospects. I am staring at my whiteboard that has the prospects ranked uh, and I am looking at my d m conversation with cardinal's gifts in which I just sent him the intro so there's no like no <clears throat> research ahead of me. This is all just what's ever in my head that my consciousness or subconscious uh, wants to bring to the forefront. I say we get right into it. Our first article, thus our first pod, is based and on Prospects 35 through 29 in the Cardinals organization. Uh, we'll go over them real quick. Prospect number 35 is first baseman John Nagowski. Number, th- <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> Prospect number 34 is is right-handed pitcher Tommy Parsons, prospect number 33, is Leandro Sardinio. He's a first-base outfielder. Prospect number 32 is outfielder Scott Hurst. Prospect number 31 is catcher Julio Rodriguez. Prospect number third, prospect Prosper? Prospect number 30 is Brady Whalen. He's a first baseman, and prospect number 29 is right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde. Uh, prospect number 31, John Nagowski. Look, Nagowski's 26 years old. He's been around forever. He's been in a couple different organizations. I believe he was drafted by the New York Mets many, many years ago. Spent some time in independent ball. Was signed as a minor league free agent by the Cardinals in 2017. Uh, the thing about Nagowski is uh, for being as old as he is and for spending as much time as he spent in the minor leagues, there really isn't anything in the way of like game power that's manifested itself and a level that you would feel comfortable moving forward if you were to move forward to the Major League level. Uh, in the article, I write something about him being like normal James Loney. Like, that's him at his peak. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who if in 420 at-bats at the Major League level, he might hit 10 home runs, 12 home runs, something like that. Uh, he's he's He doesn't possess anything in the way of power that you would want out of a first baseman. He did show signs in 2018 at AA of hitting for that power, but it hasn't manifested during the 2019 season. Nagowski's a really good first baseman. He can play a little outfield, but you prefer that he wouldn't. Uh, but again, he's a really, really good defensive first baseman. Picks the ball out of the dirt, has good range, gets down, does everything that you would want defensively out of a first baseman. Where Nagowski excels, where he is at his best, is within account. Uh, he is at his best when he's in the box, working account. I believe his K rate is 10%, his walk rate is 13%, or thereabouts for both. He's just a really smart hitter. Uh, Doesn't ever try to do too much with the baseball. His swing is always the same. Part of the reason why he doesn't hit for much power. Uh, But you know with Nagowski that he's not going to chase anything in the dirt. Look, uh, I'm rambling with Nagowski, but the gist is he's 27 years old. He's a career minor leaguer. And he deserves a spot on the dirty 35 for the amount of work he's put in and to be on the cusp of the major leagues with the work he's put in. He's a smart guy, a smart hitter, understands hitting, understands what to do with any pitch that's thrown to him, doesn't chase pitches in the dirt. Uh, He's just a really smart and heady baseball player. Ideally, you would like to see him get a major league opportunity somewhere. In the article, I mentioned that he reminds me a lot of Nick Martini. Nick Martini was a career minor leaguer with the St. Louis Cardinals. His time with the Cardinals organization expired. The Oakland A's picked him up, and then he was a vital part of their team in the 2018 season. Uh, Nick Martini is a good player. John Nagowski is a good player. They're not the kind of players that you build around, but they're the kind of guys that offer a little bit of hope and depth to the major league club. So that's prospect number 35, John Nagowski. Prospect number 34, right-handed pitcher Tommy Parsons, 23 years old. Now the thing you need to know about Tommy Parsons is after the 2018 draft, Parsons went undrafted. Parsons went to a division three school. I want to say the name of the school is like Adrian University. Uh, it definitely is, is a university that sounds more like a first name or a last name than an actual university. Uh, what I know is when the Cardinals signed Parsons, it was actually kind of a big deal. It actually received a little bit of news. That doesn't happen too often with guys who aren't drafted. Why Parsons got a little bit of extra attention is he did a, he set a bunch of Division Three records. Uh, he was a highly thought of kid. He had kind of a small little uh, grassroots following for for a player uh, that didn't get drafted, which is crazy when you think about it. And truth be told, he had really impressive stuff, as you'll see in the gifts in the article. His changeup is a plus pitch. Uh, Again, probably more above average with the potential to be plus, but it's definitely above average at the very least. His curveball can be big. And again, I go out of my way in these articles with these pitchers to make sure that I'm saying they are breaking balls. Look, nowadays, some curveballs look like sliders. Some sliders look like curveballs. Some sliders are classified as cutters. All cutters are sliders. It's a little confusing, so I'm just going to focus on the breaking pitch of it all. Again, with Parsons, it appears to be a big curveball. It's kind of a 11-6 type curveball. Uh, not quite 12-6, to 6, but it's a good pitch. He just doesn't throw it consistently enough, and he slows down his arm to throw it a little bit. Parsons dominated the lower levels of the minor leagues. He struggled a little bit in Springfield. I believe that to be because uh, he's overthrowing his fastball and he's slowing his arm to throw his breaking pitches. Uh, but Parsons is a really good player that seems to have a potential to have an average to above offering for three pitches. He can hit 95, doesn't necessarily last 95 throughout the entire start. Usually he's back down in the low 90s You know, by the end of his start. Uh, but the part of the reason we bring Tommy Parsons up here, why I have him 34th, although I could make the argument that he's deserving of the 29th spot on the list, is it gives us a chance to talk about that supreme underdog that the Cardinals have this innate ability of being able to find. That's Tommy Parsons. Again, in the article, I think I mentioned that he's, he reminds me of Jason Simon Tachi, a guy who kind of came out of nowhere and has the potential to make a major league debut and maybe even a major league impact if he can refine some of these issues that we've talked about, Uh, but he's the kind of kid that you have to root for. There's nothing bad you could say about him. He's just a really smart and good pitcher. When he's locating his fastball, he's hard to hit, and not in like the way that our number 29 prospect is on the list, who we'll get to here in a little bit, but in the way that you kind of sit back and you're like, all right, this will play at the major league level one way or the other. So that's prospect number 34, uh, right-handed pitcher, Tommy Parsons, which leads us into prospect number 33, first baseman, kind of slash outfielder, 20-year-old Leandro Sedano. So the deal with Sedeno, he did really well for Johnson City last year. He has big power, some of the most raw power in the organization. Uh, you know, when I start thinking about raw power in the organization, I think about Nolan Gorman, Leandro Sedano, and Terry Fuller. Some other guys in there, but like they're the three power threats within the organization that if they reach their pinnacle, if they reach their ceiling, they're going to be 40 home run guys. Uh Lugan Baker has that, but to a little lesser degree. Cedeno so has that power. He showed that last year at Johnson City. And that was a positive. I couldn't imagine the, the power evaporating. To enter the 2019 season, he's assigned to Peoria. That's a tough assignment. Hard for righties to hit balls on the pole side, uh, over the fence. He had the power to do it. It's just that he hasn't done it. Uh, as I say in the article, I couldn't imagine a situation in which Leandro Cedeno's power evaporated ever. I thought that his batting average would go down. I thought his case would go up. I thought his walks would go down. But I always thought he did for power. Yet here we are, about 230 at-bats into the regular season. Uh, and he's only hit four, five home runs. I believe it's four. But he's only hit you know a handful or less home runs. Uh, that's not good for a player who's, uh, all of his value, really, is built on his ability to hit for power. Uh, you know, he he's not taking bad at bats. He's not walking. His walk rate has been cut in half from a little over 8 to a little bit above 4 uh, from last season. Striking out more. And honestly, his strikeout rate, which is about 28%, you would take, if he had 15 home runs, 20 home runs. Uh, but... As a 20-year-old who's just not producing in the Midwest League, I have to drop him from 21 to 33, and that sucks. Uh, if he was showing more signs of just power, he would not have dropped that far. But when your primary carry tool isn't performing, that's alarming. Now, I would also remind you that Sedanio is 20 years old, and maybe we shouldn't, you know, go overboard uh, beating up on him. We're just going to have to wait and see. I believe he'll be fine, but only time will tell. With a strong second half, you know, he ends the season with 15 home runs, 20 home runs if he goes on that kind of tear. Uh, Again, the minor league season ends, the regular season ends at the end of August. It doesn't go through September. Uh, So keep that in mind. That gives him a month to hit, you know, 10 home runs, 11 home runs, two months to hit, you know, 15 home runs or whatever. If that power comes back, and it very well could, again, 20 years old at the Advanced Midwest League assignment, anything could happen. Uh, But... If the power doesn't come back, then that's a serious issue. As I say in the article, pardon me. As I say in the article, Cedeno is a terrible fielder. They keep putting him out in the outfield. That's stupid. He's not an outfielder in any world. He's a fringe first baseman. Uh, he has a little bit of, uh, quite a bit of work to do at first. I get why, like I get the thought process that goes into putting Cedeno out in the outfield. But he's a first baseman at the best case scenario, and. Any time that he's wasting out in the outfield is a rep that he isn't getting in the infield that he needs to get better at as well. Uh, I guess the other thing that I mentioned in the article, <clears throat> thinking about it now, is Sedeno kind of uses his wrists a lot. Uh, it almost seems like when you're watching him that he's flicking the baseball, not necessarily driving through the baseball. When you're watching from behind the pitcher, you can definitely see him using his upper body more. But from behind or side uh, of the hitter. Uh, you definitely see like the mechanical issue that changes his swing path through the zone. I want to see him use that upper body more. I want to see him use his hands, not just his wrists. I want those forearms to work in tandem with the biceps and the shoulders. Uh, his hips don't always work in unison with his upper body. And that's a mechanical adjustment that he's going to need to make. Uh, and that's Leandro Cedeno. He's a terrible fielder. You hope he can maybe play first. He has... Raw power that has not manifested this year in game, and that's something that we have to keep an eye on and be concerned about. Uh, Prospect number 32 on our list is outfielder Scott Hurst. Now, you guys know that I love Scott Hurst, and it sucks that I have to start my talk on Scott Hurst this way. But when I started doing my Dirty 35, I couldn't decide between Scott Hurst or Justin Turner. Now, Justin Turner is the prospect who won the Cardinals' Organizational Hitter of the Month in April. He did nothing but get on base and hit the ball at Palm Beach, which, as all of you know, is rare. Uh, He's kind of a hot prospect that people want to know more about. They want to know more about. Uh, They want to to ask about, and I understand that. But when I watch Justin Turner and I watch Scott Hurst, even though Turner's production this season has been better than Hurst's, I have no doubt in my mind that Scott Hurst can stay in center. I don't feel that way with Turner. I have no doubt in my mind that Scott Hurst is actually the better all-around contact hitter. uh, Even though Turner, up until his stint here at AA, uh, has shown this season that he's been more productive. And I also think Scott Hurst has more power in the tank than Turner has. Uh, We're starting to see Turner hit for a little bit more power. And I don't think it's any coincidence that his batting average uh, and hard hit rate are starting to tank. Uh, Missing the ball quite a bit now. Trying to find that power. Turn as a corner outfielder. That hurts his profile, especially for a guy who's not going to hit for power. Uh, uh, Scott Hurst is an actual center fielder. He's not a great center fielder. He's a, an above-average center fielder, has a solid arm, will run through a damn wall to catch the ball. Uh, he's just a really good hitter. Again, one thing we say about Scott Hurst all the time is he's the most like John Jay in the organization. Right now, it's looking like he won't have a John Jay-type career. I, I would recommend that you guys realize that John Jay is in the top 9 percentile of all draft picks. Just keep that in mind. He's a really, really solid player. Uh, but Scott Hurst is just a really good player who understands the game. He has the instincts for it. And it just seems like right now he's trying to outthink the game instead of playing his game. Scott Hurst is a center fielder who's going to stick. His batting average will be better than what he showed this year. His on-base percentage is better. Will be better than what he's shown this year. Uh, He's just a really good hitter. The question has always been power. There is extra pop in his bat. I think he's just on the cusp of discovering it. That's not 20 home run power. It's 5 to 10 home run power as he progresses up the ladder. But I'll take Scott Hurst over Justin Turner any day of the week. Uh, And here in a year when it's the opposite way around, I'll gladly admit that I'm an jerk who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, but Scott Hurst just seems to have the skill set, especially at the plate, with the ability to stay in center that you would want uh, and you could see doing well at the next levels. Prospect number 31 is catcher Julio Rodriguez. Getting right into it with the catchers. You guys know this. I am at my worst when I'm trying to evaluate catchers. I'm a lefty. All I've ever done in my entire life is play the positions that lefty play, that lefties play, except for short and second when I was in grade school because I was athletic and I would get after anything. Uh, it's easier to evaluate fielders. Catching is a completely different beast for me. Uh, as I say in the article with Julio Rodriguez, uh, he seems to do everything well everything maybe at average at the very least, he calls a very good game. He's quick to get out of his crouch. He's quick to get the ball out of his glove. He has a good arm. Uh, he he gets good reads off the ball in the dirt, although he isn't always blocking well in the dirt. Hard to tell what kind of a framer he is. I have no feel for that. Uh, I will say that I feel like the breaking pitch to lefties he struggles with, but... I don't know for sure, especially when you know last year he was at Peoria and you watch those games. The camera is from behind the catcher, and it's hard to tell exactly what's going on there. So I do not have much of a a feel for Julio Rodriguez. I've heard he's good. I've heard that he struggles a little bit with stuff low in the zone. I haven't seen that. Uh, Something worth keeping an eye on. The gif in the article is really important in regards to Julio Rodriguez because it'll show you a hitter who has strong use of his upper body within his swing, a hitter that can use the right field gap as a right-handed hitter, but it also shows you a guy who doesn't transfer his lower body weight particularly well. He's kind of a flat up and down hitter. Uh, I'd like to see him transfer his weight better, especially on the lower half while incorporating it with the upper half. That's the Julio Rodriguez that will eventually have a Major League debut uh, in his future. But without that and continued improvement behind the plate, Julio Rodriguez is a very, very interesting organizational depth piece that just might make a Travis Tartamella-type Major League debut. Uh, We're going to have to wait and see again when you have Yadier Molina ahead of you on the depth chart and then Andrew Kisner ahead of you on the depth chart uh, and Yadier Molina being able to decide whatever he— have his future completely decided by him in this situation— if it happens, it might not happen in the Cardinals organization, but I know that Julio Rodriguez is a very, very good player, uh, a very, very good catcher that we're going to be intrigued to watch climb the organizational ladder. Uh, I think he's only 21. He might be 22. But he's, he's a talented young catcher who, you know, outside of Ivan, H- Ivan Herrera, Herrera, let me start over. outside of Ivan Herrera and Andrew Kisner, is without a doubt the third best catching prospect in the organization. Prospect number thirty on our list is one of my personal favorite prospects uh, within the Cardinals organization, and that's first baseman Brady Whalen. Now, entering this year, Brady Whalen was the kind of guy who would have a high walk rate, a high K rate. He's a switch hitter; it would be that way for both sw- uh, hitting from both sides of the plate, and then he would have intriguing power. That combo there, and also like an intriguing amount of doubles too, and that that like that grouping there was enough to really, really intrigue me and be aware that his future might be something more than just organizational depth. What we saw at the beginning of this year was that exactly. Five home runs in the first 40 games, 36 games or whatever it was, uh, hitting for doubles, driving in runs, uh, hitting 300, getting on base 38% of the time, slugging the baseball, playing a very, very good first baseman. Remember, Brady Whalen was drafted as a shortstop, then moved to third, and now he's a first baseman. So there's athleticism in his big body. There's also knowledge in that big head of his. Uh, I say big head is, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's big. I'm sure it's big. Is this thing on? Uh, Brady Whalen is just a really intriguing player. Now, after you get past the first 40 or so games of the season, his entire season is kind of tanked. He's still like second in the Midwest League in RBIs. Take that for whatever that is. Uh, but he has gone through a rough stretch over the last half of his half season. That, that really has me alarmed at the plate. Strikeout rate and his K rate have gone in the right direction, though, which is really interesting. Usually if a guy uh, ends up getting figured out a little bit at you know, in his first taste at full season affiliated baseball like Peoria, usually everything will drop. The power numbers will drop. The average will drop. The walks will drop. And the strikeout rate will go through the roof. And it's done the opposite. His strikeout rate has dropped his walks have gone up uh, those are really really encouraging signs and I have to believe especially watching him that things are leaning in that direction I don't feel like this is a kid who's off balance I don't feel like this is a kid who is is overmatched I just feel like he's trying to be more selective in what he's doing and it's costing him in the stat line uh, the stat line that we everyone keeps an eye on let's put it that way Uh, The other thing about Brady Whalen is he's really struggled from the left side of the plate to hit. Now, we're talking about less than 50 at-bats, 50 plate appearances right now. So, small sample size theater here is in – the curtains are down and we're in play. Uh, But it's just something we have to keep in mind that, you know, he needs to get better hitting left-handed. He needs to reincorporate a little bit of pop. Yeah, the guy hasn't hit a home run in a month and a half. That's a concern, especially for a hitter that has the pop that Whalen has. Uh, I'm not giving up on Brady Whalen. I expect a strong finish to the 2019 season. I expect him to find his way further up this list. Uh, not Maybe not that much, but further up this list one way or the other. Uh, I like Brady Whalen a lot. He's a charismatic young man. That's something I didn't write about at all. Uh, he's the kind of guy who will give you real answers when you ask them. He's energetic. Uh, he's just... He has that it factor. Maybe not the level of like baseball IQ of Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman and the elite Tommy Edman, Andrew Kisner. Like, he doesn't have that elite baseball IQ. It's probably a couple tiers below that. But he has that it factor, that personality that makes him really intriguing and fun to watch uh, when he's not playing baseball. hes He's got a brain for, uh, for for good stuff, I guess. I don't know what else to say. So that's prospect number 30, first baseman Brady Whalen for Peoria. Prospect 29 is right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde. Now, Fagalde is interesting. He's 25 years old. He's at Springfield. Fagalde has done nothing but dominate. Uh, he dominated at the low levels. He dominated at Peoria. He dominated at Palm Beach. He did this with a two-seamer. Uh, I believe We're going to call it a breaking pitch, of course. I believe it's a curveball uh, and a changeup. His changeup can be good when he's not using it too often, too early. When he's saving it for later on in starts, that's usually when he's at his most effective. His curveball is big, and it works really well when he's throwing his fastball up in the zone. That's when those two pitches pair the best. Uh, Let me put it this way with Fagalde, right? So I watch him in Peoria, and again, it's hard to tell from that angle exactly what's going on there. He seemed dominant. He seemed good. Something still seemed off. Miss him at Palm Beach because you don't get to watch Palm Beach games Uh, the reports that I was receiving were justifying some of the decisions I was making about keeping him off the dirty 35 and now that we're watching him in Springfield we're seeing one alarming trend and that trend is that his fastball gets absolutely hammered teams haven't done much pardon me, teams haven't done much damage to it yet at this point but it's coming, I promise you you know Especially early in starts, that thing is flat, and it doesn't matter where he's throwing it; it's getting hit hard. Now, I guess the other thing about Facalde is he does a very, very good job of keeping his fastball on the black of the plate, uh, the outside corners, the 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 lower corner, the lower quarter of the strike zone, uh, keeping it above the hitter's eyes, uh, above the the swing path, so using it to set up the curveball and change. But Nothing would surprise me less of all of the things that I've always concerned about during this Dirty 35 write-up than if all of a sudden Fagalde's fastball just got beat around. Uh, it doesn't appear to have the life that it showed in 2019. That's a concern. Uh, but it, man, just, just watching it, everyone hits it and everyone hits it hard. It's not until the curveball really starts, uh, I guess, asserting itself that his fastball doesn't get hit as hard. Uh, and that's a delicate, delicate balance. At 25 years old, at AA, there's no reason to be conservative with his development. If he's pitching well, you push him to AAA. If, he, if he's pitching lights out again at AAA, you get him to the majors pitching out of the bullpen. The other thing about Fagalde uh, is that he pitches exclusively out of the stretch. That's something worth keeping uh, keeping in mind. And then I guess one more thing about Fagalde is, as our good friend the farmer Vala likes to mention, he has a bigger body like he he's strong. He's built country strong, and there should be more velocity in his low nineties fastball. Part of the reason why I like him in the bullpen long term is I think that he'll be able to tap into that velocity long term. Uh, right now he's not, and it might be a mechanical adjustment. Uh, it was something we were talking about, uh, Farmer Vala and I. Uh, it might be something as simple as a mechanical adjustment. Adjustment. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just think he needs to let it loose a little bit more. Uh, It's the type of fastball where, even though he has good command of it, he would benefit from having extra velocity. And it might sound crazy. Not all fastballs are that way. I don't believe Adam Wainwright would do well to have three more miles per hour. I just think it'd be harder for his older age body to command it. Command's important for him. Command is important for Fagalde. I like Alex Fagalde a lot. I'm anxious to see what these last two months have in store for him. I do, I, again, I want to throw this out here because I also enjoy being wrong as often as possible. Uh, nothing would surprise me less than if Alex Fagalde has his ERA just balloon up because of that fastball. Uh, but then again, maybe that change-up curve fastball combo is enough to keep hitters off balance uh, for the long run. We're going to see. I, I like the kid a lot. Uh, I love the smirking picture Uh, that we we added to uh, his Dirty 35 profile. He's just a really smart, uh, good pitcher with good command that hopefully can get additional arm side run on his two seam. A little extra life to stop it from being just beat like a redheaded stepchild. Uh, And I guess that's it for this section of the Dirty 35. That's Prospects 35 through 29. Again, we'll recap... 35 is John Nagowski. 34 is Tommy Parsons. 33 is Leandro Sedano, 32 is Scott Hurst. 31 is Julio Rodriguez. Uh, 30 is Brady Whalen. And 29 is Alex Fagalde. Come back tomorrow probably for our next uh, listing, our next podcast on the Dirty 35 midseason top 35 prospects in the Cardinals organization. Uh, that's prospects 28 through 22. I like this group Not as much as I like some of the other groups. Actually, to give you kind of a hint about this coming group, it's a little older of a group. And I don't know. It's a weird group of seven guys. How about that? It's just a really weird group of seven guys. Uh, So stay tuned tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this. Please feel free to find me on Twitter at KYLER416. Hit me up at Yahoo, uh, K-Y-L-E R at Yahoo. or K-Y-L-E R 416 at Yahoo.com. If you have any questions or any thoughts, always feel free to email me, DM me, my DMs are open, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, let's have the conversation. I enjoy talking about prospects as much as anyone. I would gladly enjoy talking them, uh, talking them over with you at your leisure. So please feel free to do that. Uh, Come back tomorrow. For everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, thank you for coming on this mid-season tour through the Cardinals organization with us. Uh, I love each and every one of you. And as always, family, happy hunting. And if you listen to this, you're part of the resistance.